going to be in the sixth chapter this morning. And as I said, I've been preaching really long. And I apologize. Not really. Not really. But I'm going to try not to preach quite so long this morning. John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25 this morning. We're going to be speaking this morning briefly on the bread of life. The bread of life. Bread. (laughs) You know, historically, it was this conversation that we are going to be looking at briefly, or in part this morning, that got Christianity in trouble um, in the first century. It was this conversation that got the church in trouble with the authorities at large, the reigning authorities. And uh, we may or may not get quite that far this morning, but uh, this concept was it. Now, keep in mind, we're going to begin in verse 25 of John 6. I want you to understand what has happened up to this point so you have a bit of a backstory. Chapter 6 of the Gospel of John opens up with Jesus feeding the 5,000 and all that went along with that. He had a massive following there, and um, he fed them and made a massive impression, obviously, on the people. Well, it was at the end of that event that Jesus told the disciples, because they were on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and he told the disciples, okay, guys, jump in the boat, head on over to Capernaum. Okay? And what ensued at that point was one of those in the boat, Jesus comes walking on the water events. Okay? And uh, the next morning, in verse 22, the next morning, Uh, The crowd is essentially stirring and waking up and figuring out Jesus isn't there. The disciples aren't there. But they made note of an interesting point that the disciples left without Jesus. And so Jesus wasn't in the boat with the disciples. And um, the Scriptures actually say that. They made note of this. uh, And so... To anybody's logical mind, if Jesus isn't around and the disciples took the only mode of transportation, what's Jesus doing? He's walking. He's on foot. Little did they realize that he actually took the shortcut across the lake. Okay? They're thinking, well, okay, let's just see if we can find out where he's going. And they, they take it on the hoof. That whole crowd is heading out and they're walking around the Sea of Galilee and going, okay, we're going to catch Jesus here eventually. And they end up over on the other side of the Sea of Galilee at Capernaum. And in verse 25 of John 6, it says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus said, Uber. He did He did. He, he did, uh, you know, I don't even know what Uber in Jewish and Hebrew is, but when did you get here? And what's interesting, some a funny thing, a characteristic of Jesus, as you read God's word, what's so funny is when people 
frequently asked him questions, he didn't address the question. He didn't even answer the question. He gets right down to the brass tacks where the rubber hits the road regarding the very people that are asking the question that he's ignoring. And he goes right to the issue. Verse 26, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me. Now listen to this. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Today is probably a juxtaposition from what happened in this text. Today, for those of you who don't necessarily grasp that word, juxtaposition, it's the other side of the coin. Okay? Back in this, at this event, the people are looking for Jesus because Jesus discerns, well, they got fed last night. They want breakfast today. They want bread to feed themselves. They're not following for the show. They're not following Jesus. They're not pursuing him around half of the lake or the half of the Sea of Galilee because they want to see him do more magic. They're not looking for the show. They're looking for the food. They want more of the food. Okay? They're not interested in the miracles unless it's producing the food. That's important. Especially when we're talking about Jesus being the bread of life. That's important. They were interested in being fed. Okay? I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Then he moves on in verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God, the Father, has placed His seal of approval. So, He's taking this opportunity. And I think we need to pick up on this. I think we need, from the youngest to the oldest, and I'm not saying you're all over here old, but from the youngest to wherever you are, the oldest, we need to pick up on, the, on this concept. Jesus was a master of the teachable moment. He was a master at it. And, of course, he was God in the flesh. He was God-made man. He was Emmanuel. But at the same time, we need to recognize the fact that we need the Spirit of the Lord in our lives the Holy Spirit operating in our lives so that we might discern and determine teachable moments for those people in our, that are in our orbit, okay? You see, Jesus took this opportunity to take what the crowd was craving and turn it 
to spiritual, eternal applications. And I think we need to take some notes on this. I think we need to look at this and recognize the fact that he says, you're looking for breakfast. You had dinner. You don't really care about the supernatural so much. You'll want breakfast. Then he moves on. Don't work for that. Don't put your labors in for that. Don't look to the things that are carnal, that will spoil, that rust, as the Bible says, and rust doth, in the King James, corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. Don't go there. That is not worth your time because it's going to go away. But rather, pursue the food that is eternal, that will never go away, ever. You will never have to have it. And he says that I'm going to give that to you. He says the Son of Man will give that to you. And I've been approved by the Father. See, we're in a Hebrew situation here. We're in a Jewish element. They get the concept of God. He doesn't have to sell them on God. But we're still talking about adopting believers to Christ. I'm going to give you this eternal food, and I've been approved by God. So I've got some credibility here. You can trust me on this. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Remember, he just said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food. In other words, but work for food that endures to eternal life. If you're going to work, work for what endures for eternal, for eternity, the food that is eternal. So what must we do to uh, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, I want you to listen. If you're one of those people that have that fear, that fear of God, His judgment, condemnation, maybe even you fear church folk because you've been condemned before. You've had bad experiences with church folk. And by virtue of the fact that church folk have... Um, treated you wrong or talked about you or hurt your heart and hurt your feelings and stuff, that reflects on God. And therefore, because they're church folk representing God, you think, well, that's who God is. Jesus says this, this is the work that you need to be doing. The work of God is this. Look it up there on that screen. Look at that word. Look at that. To believe in the one he has sent. That is the work of God. You know, we talk, and I talk so much, about the Great Commission. And we equate that as to the work of God. Jesus says in response to their question, well, what do we have to do to accomplish what God requires, this work? And he says you have to work at believing in the one that he sent. That's your work. Believe in him. It didn't say believe in all those people who have 
a rubber stamp on them says Christian. Has a rubber stamp on them called churchgoer. Has a bumper sticker across their rear end called child of God. He said, believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this. Believe. Now, I would ask for you to raise your hands. But I don't know that I want to do this. But I'm going to ask the question anyway, not requiring any hands raised. Who here has ever struggled in your belief at times? Who here has ever struggled in your belief? Who here is struggling in your belief? This is the work that God requires. Believe in the Son of God. Believe in the one that God has sent. He has approved me. I am credible before you because the God of all eternity, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, that God, the ones that you preach and teach about in your temples, in your temples, that God, that God has approved me. And I'm the one who's going to give you the food that lasts for all of eternity. So the work that's set before you, those of you who are in fear, those of you who have questions, those of you who doubt because of the things you've experienced and seen and heard, etc., 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 listen to me. There is a way out of that. There is a way out of that. You don't have to look with your naked eyes into the environment round about you and buy into that as the only thing that's real and genuine. Correction. All you have to do is believe in the one that he sent and you're accomplishing the work of God despite what's going on round about you. You do the work of believing. Do the work of belief. Verse 30. So they asked him, What miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? (laughs) What will you do? You see, he's just asked them to believe. He's just asked them to believe. He's just told them that God has approved and placed his seal on him and he is going to be the one to provide this food that they're to work for that will never corrupt and never disappear. And they want to know, keep in mind now, they're still on the food. They haven't made the leap to belief yet. They're still thinking the food. Okay, all right, I hear you. God approves you and you're going to provide me with this bread that lasts for eternity and I have to believe in you. Well, what are you going to do to make me believe in you? Are you going to leave soot footprints across my carpet, eat my kids' cookies and drink the milk? Is that what you're going to do while leaving a few gifts under the tree? I want to see what it is you're going to do. And this is proof that they're still on the food. Here it is right here. Look at the next verse, verse 31. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
See, they're still thinking, you know, we're having this lovely theological debate here, Jesus, but man, I need breakfast. I am hungry. And there was not a buffet anywhere on that shore as we came around. So I'm expecting you to show me the food. I was going to say money, but that's a wrong reference. Show me the money. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Now you realize that's the second time he's telling them the truth. Because he's already said that up top. I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Okay. He just exposed the origin of the eternal food. He just exposed the origin. And these people in their mass are sitting there trying to figure out exactly what it is that Jesus is talking about. He said, Moses didn't do that, guys. The Father did that. He sent you this food, this bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And right there they're going, what did he say? What's this he nonsense? This bread is a he? What, 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 uh, I, I'm hungry. What's this he nonsense? Sir, they said, from now on, listen now. All right, you're telling me that you're going to provide the bread. You're telling me that God put the seal of approval on me. You're telling me to work for this bread through belief. I believe that's God's work. So now, verse 34, from now on, give us this bread. This is the, okay, I'm buying into this. I want that bread. Okay, I'm sold. Let me have that bread. And this is what Jesus says. I'm the bread of life. I'm it. I'm the bread of life. And right now they're all going, huh? Or like the minion did in Despicable Me. What? (laughs) He who comes to me will never go hungry. See, right here is the critical time in this conversation. Right here is where a critical time is evolving in this conversation. He who comes to me, because they're having to switch from their stomach to their spirit. He is requiring these hearers to make the leap from the physical carnal to the spiritual and eternal. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. You were across the creek. (laughs) You were over there across the Sea of Galilee. You saw this. You see what I'm doing. Now, keep in mind, this is a piece down the road. This event happens sometime down the road in his ministry. This period of time is known as the year of the opposition. He is actively being opposed by the religious elite in Jerusalem and around the nation. 
He's no, this is no longer the introduction. This isn't no honeymoon time for him and the people. The people are looking and, and seeking him because of the things he's doing and what he's providing and what's manifesting around him. But at the same time, they're watching all of this happen, but they still are not buying into everything. As a matter of fact, just before you jump into chapter 7, which we're not preaching about this morning, he has an entire exodus not just of the crowds that are following him, but what the Bible refers to as some of his disciples. They can't make this leap. This is critical in the, in the ministry of Jesus, this period, because he's actively being opposed. It is referred to, this time period, as the year of opposition. Theologically, that's what it's called. And this is what's happening. And this introduction, what he's talking about right here, is a pivotal moment in this discussion with these people. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. All the people that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. There's more peace for you who, have, who are living in question, doubt, and fear. For, uh, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Listen to me. If you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ, or if you are walking in this cloud of uncertainty in your Christianity, you walk in fear, you walk in question, you walk in doubt, you want to believe, but you don't have enough within you to actually latch on with tooth and toenail to know with a sh- without a shadow of a doubt the certainty of your salvation through Jesus Christ, listen to what he says again. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. Meaning, God Himself is on your side. Verse 39. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall none, or that I shall lose none of all that He has given me. God's will is that those that He has given to Christ, none of them will be lost. That's God's will. He's on your side. But raise them up at the last day. That's God's will. And I'm here. I'm the agent to make that happen, He says. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son And believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jay, go back to verse 29. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. Now for some of you in this congregation, this message... Is Christianity 101, as it were. Okay? Because your belief is firm. It is, it is established. But there may be some in this room 
who question. And I'm telling you this morning, your job is to believe that what he says about himself and you is truth. Here's the thing. Let me tell you about your Christianity just briefly. And it's brief, I promise you. We're coming up on the hour, and I'm going to do my best to round this out. Okay? We in the church, I think, especially young Christians, you may be chronologically older, but as Christians you could be just babies. We make the mistake, and I don't know how this mistake gets propagated, how it multiplies and how it gets established. But we, dis- we have somehow or another made this Christianity thing a works-based proposition. Where even though we preach faith, we still have to be good people. By good, I mean we have to do and accomplish and be, and we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do the other thing, in order for God's approval to be on our lives. And don't mess this up. Don't, don't mix this up with, I can do this while committing sin. No, 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 no. I'm talking about earning God's favor. We get this concept that we have to earn what God has provided through the shed blood of His Son. When in reality, this is how the conversion can be summed up. The conversion from death to light. From darkness to light. From eternally lost to eternally saved. This is the proposition. Hear me. Jesus as early in his ministry as you can go back, was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he was recruiting disciples. And he's walking along and there's some guys just come in from fishing and he looks at them and he says this, if you will follow me, I will make you something you're not. Now I want you to think about that. This is the contract with God. Through Jesus Christ, if you will follow, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. If you will follow me, He said to those people, those fishermen, I will make you fishers of men. If you will follow me, if you will do the work of believing in the one he has sent, he says, I will make you into something you didn't even know existed. Oh, you get fishing. You get casting nets. You get drawing in a hall. But what if I did that to you and you did that to men? What if I, you say, okay, that's no, no, no. What if I completely changed your world? What if I completely changed your understanding of existence? What if I completely changed your understanding of the here and now 
the material and the carnal, and we expand it into the eternal and the kingdom of God. What if you decide to follow me and I make you into something you didn't even know existed? That's Christianity. That's Christianity. The Great Commission? Look, I'm I'm just going to be frank with y'all, okay? This is where I get all kind of pastoral and stuff. You can't fulfill the Great Commission if you don't do the work to believe. Right? So maybe, maybe, and this is just a side note, and I'm ricocheting off of it, one of the issues with the church is we don't believe the way he's prescribed. Maybe we don't do the work. Maybe we're not following because we don't believe and he's not making us into something that we're, we didn't even know existed because our, our work ethic is tanked. We don't believe. We don't believe. Maybe, just maybe, we need, as the body of Christ, to be everything he wants us to be. To get the bread that lasts for eternity. To embrace the one who has the seal of approval on him by God. Maybe we need to do some more work so that we can do a better job of following. So that he can accomplish the task of making us into something we didn't even know existed. Guess what? done stand with me this morning if you're one of those people that the holy spirit spoke about this morning through our elder over here brother glasgow if you're one of those people who are experiencing fear uncertainty uh, um, concerns about whether god is in the judgment business of you i want to pray with you i want to pray for you do we have cards, Frankie? We have no cards. Oh, we've got cards coming in from the back. Diane. 